This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. I'm I'm doing all right. I've just been keeping on. I think like that's as much as everyone could promise or hope for right now. I... Might be disappointing y'all that I am not wearing one of my new track suits right now. It's because I believe also in cleanliness and that thing's getting washed. So, I'm just keeping on, man. How are you doing, bud? Well, I am disappointed that you're not wearing a track suit. And clearly this is evidence that you need at least one for each day so that when you're washing one, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I know, I know. I was supposed to get I was supposed to get my second one was supposed to be delivered today, but naturally like if we're going to talk about priorities in the world right now, me getting a turquoise Adidas jumpsuit, tracksuit rather, sorry, jumpsuits are against all humanity. We're going to we get you into believe. jumpsuits next. For sure. No, no, no. Jumpsuits, That's uh, those are the moral enemy of the tracksuits. So I refuse <laughs> to ever own a jumpsuit. Okay. <laughs> we're also joined by a man who I don't think is wearing a tracksuit. It's Nate, a.k.a. Epidesis. What's up, Nate? Hello, gentlemen. No, Aaron, this is a collared shirt is what I am wearing. Here. Oh, sorry. I don't sorry. know if you've seen one of these before, but see this part up here. You put a tie through this little hooks mm. is the idea, uh, but I never wear a tie. When's the last time you wore a tie, Nate? A wedding. Uh, probably 18 never, months ago for a wedding, I imagine. Never for work? No. Well, I, the first day of work, I did show up. In a suit. Uh, and the only other person wearing a suit in the office was my boss. And he's like, oh, you don't need to do that. So that was <laughs> the first and last time I ever wore a suit to the office. Well, that's a great story, Nate. Thanks. <laughs> really glad we got to share that with, with our listeners. You asked me the question. I know. I know. It's my fault. It's absolutely my fault. <laughs> okay. Twitter, at everything AEW. You can find me at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fuji Heya. You can subscribe to the podcast. Please do. You will get it uh, directly in the podcast app of your choice immediately. And I just realized today, I assume we've had this for a long time, but we're on Spotify. Yeah, bud. We've always been on Spotify. Check us out on Spotify sometime. We're right there. You, yeah, I believe you just type uh, in everything elite. There was a period when Brian was very upset that he could not get Street Fight on Spotify. And we were like, oh, yeah, yeah no, we've, we've been in there for quite a while. Yeah, we're on Spotify. Great news. Rate and review the show if you're on the Apple Podcast app. And make sure you check out patreon.com slash everything elite. It's the first of the month, so you can get a full month of value if you subscribe now. We are going to talk about, on this show, Dynamite. What happened on Dynamite last night, shockingly. We're going to play Elite or Delete. We got some ratings news, and it's a downer, and we're going to talk about the TNT Championship Tournament. I didn't mention this 
to the guys before we started the show, but I think we should like uh, we should fantasy book out this tournament where we think it's going to go. We'll do that at the end of the show. It'll give you plenty of time to think about what you want to say. So no hangman meter. We started that segment and then they stopped putting him on television. Uh, thanks, COVID-19. So, uh, but I do understand, Nate, because I listen, as always, to the vlog recap that he was on BTE this week. Is that true? He was, yeah. A little, you know, kind of being a little uh, petty or pissy. I don't know. When you've got, like, all of your friends calling you to check in during a pandemic, it's kind of it's a little shitty just to leave everybody, uh, you know, leave the phone ringing, I think. So, you know, kind of being heelish. Of course, he made some big-time babyface tweets to offset all those, so. Are you revising up or down your your score? I don't remember where we left off. A four? Four? Was was I on a four? Toward Our the composite average was a three. I'll put him on a five. All right. So I think that since Nate is the one who consumes the most Hangman content, we will defer to Nate and Hangman's a five for next was, week. I, this I, is I a will great not, policy. I love this policy, I will policy, not defer Mike, to Nate. And I'm glad we're all in agreement on it. Yeah, no. it's a five. Beautiful. No, no it's not. I will not defer to Nate on this. Well, maybe you should uh, consume some fucking Hangman content, buddy. Buddy, and then, and then... I consumed <laughs> I consumed the vlog recap that you can get on AEW Lite every Wednesday at patreon.com slash everything elite. And I learned everything I needed to know. That's true. I did do a great job. Hard to argue. You did. Yeah. Now here's, okay. I, I didn't learn one thing I needed to know, Nate. So I do need to ask you about this. He did a tweet where he said, he shaved his face for a three-minute BTE bit, and and yet uh, no one has made clear to me why he shaved his face for BTE. Do you know the answer to that? Um, there was a shot of him in like one of those country western shirts on the couch, where you had like full mullet, and he might have been doing like a very country western sort of mustache. That's the only thing I can think of. There certainly was not any sort of joke or bit, you know, in dialogue about his uh, facial hair that I recall. Well, I, I had to assume that he had shaved down to just a mustache because he said he had to then go out in public looking like a pedophile, which usually means yes. someone just wearing a mustache. So, yeah, I think that must be it. Just he changed his look for that particular shot. It was, I mean, he really like communicated a real strong image of a you know mulleted cowboy wrestler from another era in that moment so it was successful in that regard all right well that's what i wanted to know i got it all from the the vlog expert that is nate so thanks yeah it's on my linkedin i have that vlog expert <laughs> i can't tell you the last time i've even like logged on to linkedin no i I have a little bit of anxiety about it. The last time I did it was, uh, you know, in my postgraduate education. And I sure. Yeah. So now I just don't want to look at it at all ever. I can't be like, I haven't been on Facebook in many years either. I'm sure getting on there would be like, oh, wow. All these people, you know, are very old and, you know, probably twice divorced. And uh, time fucking passes, (laughs) you guys. Yeah. The time's the only game in town you can't win. So I deleted it. I haven't deleted my Facebook. It still exists. I just don't check it. So I can only imagine the wild stuff that like people from Texas and family members are saying on it now. I'm just not going back there. 
don't need to, don't want to, will never. Yeah, I deleted my Facebook recently, and my, my mother called me the other day and she said, did you hear that family friend's father passed away? I'm like, no, how would I have heard that? And so now I'm like, oh, I guess that was kind of the the thing that Facebook provided was that you could get news that you wouldn't otherwise get. But it also, I mean, I don't think this person listened to the show, so it also makes no difference in my life whether this person is alive or dead. Yeah, so. that's a big... A lot of that, I mean, you know, obviously the issue with social media and Twitter in particular is there's very little benefit to having all this information constantly being spewed into your brain at all hours. Uh, but Facebook, it's like, yeah, and, you know, you're, you don't even particularly care about most of the people because they're whatever friends from high school. So it's like if there are stories I'm interested to know, then I'll have conversations with them with my friends when we go out to eat or whatever. And they can be like, oh, this happened. They're like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, at least with, I mean, I have to defend Twitter because I'm addicted to it and, and can't log off. But at least it's like, a lot of times it can be useful information. But it's also, Twitter makes it more likely that the people you're seeing tweets from are people that you want to see tweets from. Like on Facebook, you've got to be, because I've had it for so long, I was friends with so many people that I just could not have given a shit less about. At least on Twitter, I can just mute those people. And so I don't see their tweets anymore. Anyway, Facebook always made me miserable, so I got off. Twitter makes me happy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I got a lot of joy out of not tweeting for however long I did, two weeks oh, there or whatever. right. Yeah. Tell us, so the bit is over. Tell us uh, about how it felt and uh, how you feel about going back into tweeting. Um, I, I feel, I very rarely do I get a tweet off now that makes me feel better for having sent the tweet, you know? So I'm going to like post my playlists or whatever on there. And other than that, I'm going to, I don't know. Don't, uh, I feel like I've said my piece over, over 150,000. <laughs> and now I also have this stupid podcast. So, you know, if I want to talk about wrestling, plenty of opportunity to do so. Um, yeah, you know, certainly, uh, this, this hiatus was better received. I took a hiatus from Twitter, like, I don't know, six years ago. And at that point in my life, I got like, for texts, including texts from people I had never known or had their phone number before. It's like, are you okay? <laughs> so I'm glad I, I don't get those worried sort of uh, inquiries anymore. Well, I mean, we talked it out right here on the show. And uh, also, we're in DMs with you. So, I mean, I knew you were right. fine. You just weren't tweeting. Yeah. So it was, it was good to know. I don't know. Do I Do I ever feel better when I fire off a tweet? I don't know. I mean, this did nothing for anybody, but when I responded last night to Jay Carney and just said, shut the fuck up, scab, I did feel better about myself in that moment. I feel good about every single tweet I make. I don't know about y'all. <laughs> that's I that's just, the attitude. There you go. I, I, I mean, I, I feed off it. I It has propelled my megalomania to higher levels each time. I mean, my tracksuit gimmick is taking off. Like... It, everything is looking out for me. Have a catch, Yoshino was successful. If we ever get out of the, this outbreak, I can now have, go have a catch with Masato Yoshino. I don't know why y'all complain about Twitter. Twitter is fantastic. Yeah, I guess I don't have a a uh, you know big goal like that. I can tweet toward. Sure, you do. Getting another Xbox. Uh, great. That's <laughs> that's true. That is that is pretty much yeah. It's been the most. You know, I also I got a Windows Phone. From Twitter at one point I, I just gifted that to my mother because she had like an old flip phone this was years and years ago also in, 
in by winning that contest, I won tickets to a Matt and Kim show in New York, uh, which was like, oh, cool. Well, I guess I'll go do that. And I invited my friend. My friend's like, oh, fucking. I was just on tour with Matt and Kim because he was working in like A&R at the time. So he's like, you don't need that. So it was kind of felt very, uh, very defeated. I'm like, oh, OK, I don't get to use my free contest tickets anyway. OK, it's time for Elite or Delete. Hit us with that sweet drop, Mike. Thank you. Nate, Hello. you know how the game is played. What is your elite pick for episode 26 my, of Dynamite? My elite pick is Lance Archer destroying Marco Stunt. This is the second time Marco Stunt's been my elite pick, I think, on this podcast program. Uh, but really, this segment could not have delivered better. Really, I'm very high on this episode. Generally, I thought it was a fantastic episode. Um but this in particular was like just delete know, pro wrestling elite to a T delete elite perfectly done delete elite the elite delete squash elite, moves elite, that he executed were all delicious looking fucking chucked him all over the place it seemed like he was you know giving him as little care as possible on those release suplexes and shit which is what you want to see in a squash match Archer looked like a million bucks he's got his you know music from New Japan so that consistency carries through um and in in the process here they built up to a colt cabana match next week in the tournament built to the long-term program with cody um so yeah this you know this did considerably better than all the jake the snake Roberts segments have done for this guy so far yeah it was a blast seeing him just completely use marco stan as like a training doll just throwing him around like remember kota bushi's training doll he would always do moves on that was marco here i will say that marco you gotta sell better for the pounds i mean we have to put some respect on monty brown's name and make sure that if someone's going to do a pounce you are going to fly out of the ring but the rest of this was awesome like this was exactly how they needed to debut him get him over and prepare himself for this upcoming like feud with cody and then also the tnt tournament so i think that this was checks across the board and even though we still had like a pretty whatever jake roberts promo beforehand completely forgot about by how awesome this match was and it was a little this jake's the snake roberts promo was better than last week's i'll give it that they and it was also edited low bar better. low bar <laughs> yeah i didn't like last week's at all because it was literally just him talking nonsense into the camera but really in general this episode was a big bounce back from last week you know they seemed to know what the issues were last week stuff like not having the wrestlers at ringside you know, uh, all that we can kind of presume was stuff that was maybe out of their control because, uh, you know, as soon as they got to this other filming location, they remedied all of that and the show was a lot better for them. It seems to me that Archer's look is like uniquely good for American television. Like on New Japan, it was like, okay, you got like this guy and he's got the red whatever hair like that's whatever that's cool but he when he walks out on this show i mean the lighting and the the set was all kind of perfect for it but he just looked big and imposing and unique and it was all good i was like okay this guy's a star in this promotion yeah he found this most recent evolution of his look you know i think right 
in his most recent New Japan run, you know, when he went back to the G1 and had his great G1 run and everything. Because there had sort of been elements of it, I think, in his when he was tagging with Davy Boy, etc. And now it's really come into like a realized thing. Like we've got a fully formed wild man murder hawk here. And whatever the fuck that means, he knows what it means. He's also just such a visually interesting, different person on this roster than what they have. I mean, when you take a look at, as, at least for all the bigger guys, I mean, you have Wardlow, who's like your standard Wardlow-like guy. I mean, he's like six. <laughs> he he's six, totally fits the Wardlow archetype, for sure. I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got that covered. You have Hager already having like a, who has a different distinct look, and then Brody Lee has a different look, and then you have him, and he just looks visually interesting. And if... And, and like, I think that builds upon what Nate was saying about like how he kind of perfected this general evolution in his last like run in New Japan. But now he comes out there, he just looks like a complete monster, and he had a complete monster match, and I loved it. I thought that this was a completely when they've been hit or miss with big debuts, this one was a complete success. You've got your Sundares, your Yandares, and your Wardlows. I mean, that's just your three, the three types. Now, did you look up the pronunciations? No, okay. <laughs> I just flew by the seat of my pants there. Right. You weren't far off. You weren't Sundeer, far off. Sundir, Sundir. Sundir. Yeah, yeah. Think, but I mean, these are Japanese words, right? Yeah. So it should be like Sundere. Yeah, but sometimes sometimes they are, uh, you know, uh, corruptions or they're adopting words from the English and then putting them into contractions and stuff. So it's hard to speak with confidence on that. Yes, I just wanted to... I should have maybe said those are the three genders. That maybe would have been better. I don't know. We'll workshop this. We'll workshop yeah. this. Next yeah. week, by next week, I'll have a good joke about this. Ready for everybody. <laughs> That's not, it doesn't have to be about this in particular. Let's just go in general. <laughs> next week, yeah. I'll just get a good joke. You, you, we've heard the <laughs> Duff McKagan joke of the week, of course, on Talk is Jericho. Coming soon, Aaron Bentley's joke of the week. Oh, there we go. That's a good segment. I'll have to think about that. And instead of tweeting it, I'll just save it for the show. That's good. Mike, your Elite Pick of the Week, bud. Back-to-back weeks, we have, I think, my first back-to-back Elite Pick here. And this is Chris Jericho remaining a comedy icon, just hitting it out of the park. The segment with him and Vanguard 1 was just pure farce. And it was a great use of, all right, we see what did not work. But what did work was definitely Chris Jericho cutting a promo on a drone. And we got that Chris Jericho in his hot tub and in pants and a belt, drinking bubbly, pouring the glass of the bubbly, putting the glass by its side and drinking it straight out of the bottle. That's been an ongoing thing for him that he does that. It just was like a tremendous thing. The little t-shirt he had tried to attach to it that it completely threw Vanguard 1's balance off. It just was a great segment. And uh, Danny McBride and Jody Hill, I know you're listening to this. Get him on to uh, get him on to Righteous Gemstones next season. I mean, you'll have to be like playing out there. AEW's going to be based in the southeast for the near future. It's not that far of a drive from an undisclosed location in northeast Georgia to Charleston. I think that they should get this happening. But yeah, Chris Jericho ruled again tonight. I thought that 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 he's could he needs to have like just like a three minute thing with Vanguard one until they ever figure out how they're going to end this Matt Hardy Chris Jericho thing. Legit lol for me on the on the t shirt when he pulled out the t shirt. I was like, okay, that's this is very funny. Yeah, I thought this was tremendous, um, and I'll I'll put us over. Also, Mike was correct last week. the The drone stuff that Jericho was doing was great, 
And I said, you know, the, the, the sci-fi aspect of it is fine. It's when you get into the magical teleportation stuff that it kind of becomes cringe and wrestling. And uh, I have to conclude that they heard us because they retconned that Matt Hardy was not teleporting. He was the Vanguard one was projecting holograms of him into the crowd or something to make it appear as though he was tele teleporting. So that's a fine fix. They made the effort, I guess. Um, but this segment proved that Vanguard one is in fact good. Chris Jericho is, uh, you know, uh, uh, far above the rest of the field in a high level comedy in the field of pro wrestling, as we saw here. Um, he, he's legitimately funny. He's legitimately funny. And he like, like Lance Archer, he understands his character and you know, <laughs> it's the minute miniature shirt, the full fucking the pants and the, Oh yeah. I can't, didn't even get to the release the hounds and just the, <laughs> there's a cute little chihuahua sitting there on his porch. Just adorable segment. Uh, loved it. And again, you know, and it wasn't the main event, so it was fine. No, you know, also I said they should have pre-shot that Matt Hardy segment last week. Do something more interesting with the camera if you're going to have this all in the can. And here they was shot like a comedy sketch. It was shot like a professionally done sketch. And they pulled it off and uh, executed it, and the jokes hit. That's all great, Nate, but are you going to put over anything I said last week? Um, can, can you give me a digest of your, your big points? Um, I mean, you thought uh, right off the top of something Mike said. I just thought you would think of something I said, maybe. That was good. Uh, yeah, I didn't have any banter off the top. And, you know, mostly when we finish these episodes, everything I say just flies right out of my head. This is why no, when, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in something. No, I, I know. That, I mean, that's in the same. If I don't remember what I said, the likelihood of me remembering. Um, so this is why if you tweeted our Twitter account and, and referenced something that I, someone someone on the podcast said and I said, what the fuck are you talking about? It's because I don't remember anything. We, we, we have a lot of little fish brains on this show. Yeah. I mean, I'll remember forever that you could remember something Mike said <laughs> and not what I said. But get other it, than that, it, I get, forget a lot. Remind me of something you said and I'll put it over. <laughs> oh, wait. Are the, are the are last week's notes on here? Hold on. I mean, you could pull up the uh, the run sheet from last week and That's find what that I just for said. sure. <laughs> okay, well, while you work on that, Nate, uh, I'll move on to my elite pick. I'm going to stay on brand here. We had a women's match on this show. That was good. And, shockingly, the debut, Anna Jay was really good. Now, she had her moments of being a little sloppy, but I think she's fairly new to the business. Certainly her first time being on national television. Uh, probably better than, I don't know, several of the women who are signed to this company and several of the men who are signed to this company, I would say. So Anna Jay was good. Hikaru Shida is always good. Having a women's match on the show is good. Maybe use it. Well, they did use it to build to something, so I shouldn't complain too much. But obviously the program wasn't before going to be Shida and Britt. Maybe it will be now. But uh, let's maybe tell a story or something that involves women. I don't know. Aaron, you made a good point last week about how little they were using the women, and now they was proven correct by having a really fun local talent match. Like we had on Dark, we had our Fabu Andres, our new favorite wrestlers in the world, appearing on there. But I thought that Anna Jay, for someone who seems very inexperienced, had a great accounting for herself. 
and I felt like that Hikaru Shida, like this was exactly like the kind of match that if they're going to spin this off to Shida and Britt Baker for now, I felt like that they succeeded in a pretty great fashion. And I thought that it, other than like some a little bit of like a shakiness, you could tell that someone is still new. I think that Anna Jay had a lot of potential and it looks like that, I guess that nightmare, the nightmare family wrestling school seems to be a heck of a place turning out talent. Yeah. Uh, Anna Jay, I thought was, you know, more impressive than you would expect for a local talent. It's like, you know, came out of the gates here with, uh, competency and a major league look and major league gear and everything. Um, and I saw a lot of complaints that Cheetah shouldn't be giving her so much in this match, which is maybe a, a, something we see complained about a lot in this promotion, but I don't necessarily agree in this case, just cause it's a weird show. They're trying to fill time with wrestling and you've, you know, got a skeleton crew on a lot of these. So, you know, making every match a little bit longer is a good fix for that. And have to imagine we see Anna, Anna, what did we say? Anna J. Have to imagine we see her again, given that she's a QT student here and, you know, uh, by all reports, had a good showing. Uh, Sign her. Aaron, you made a great point last week that uh, I was correct in complaining about how unclear <laughs> it is who's in charge in the promotion and that Cody, you know, made the Lance Archer match, uh, even though he's we think just a wrestler in the context or, you know, very, very blurred lines between his executive role and his, his wrestler role. So just wanted to put you over for that, buddy. You are, you are very correct in putting me over on that point. Thanks, Nate. I really appreciate that selfless of you to not only, you know, do the putting over, but to spend the time going back to look and find a note that you could, uh, that you could highlight. It was you know, tough because you really didn't make, you didn't make a new document. You just overwrote last week. So I had to, to dig through the oh, virgin did history I? here, yeah. Shit, sorry about that. Actually, for everybody, did this completely killed my whole entire system when I was like making my show recording. So, yeah, that's that's a my bad. That's a my bad to everybody. But but great job on you saying Nate's point was correct last week. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> I really I feel like I ended up getting buried again in the in the scheme of that. But you know, such is uh, the life of of AB. So, other than I already me, gave, I already gave you a compliment about how you were right last week about the women not being featured enough. And now we got a great match out of that, so you have some power. Look, we're we're all right on this show. That's what it's. That's what we can come to a consensus on is that you know we're we're really very right. A real difference for me from from my last uh, podcast, but yeah, we just seem to be right about a lot of things. It's wild. So, other than me, Nate, uh, what do you want to delete? <laughs> Uh, so I, I really had very few complaints on this show. Um, was pretty much high on every segment. Um, so here's my, you know, my, I had complained about one spot in the main event. Uh, in the main event, they threw Cody over the barricade into the heel section of the crowd and all the heels attacked him as though it were a lumberjack match, which just seems like pretty, you're painting with a broad uh, broad strokes there on the heel. It's just like, oh, well, Britt Baker is a heel, so she's going to attack Cody with her shoe. It's like, okay, that was funny, but is that the ha- kind of heel that we're to understand Britt Baker to be? She has an issue with Cody for no discernible reason except that she's on that side of the arena. I thought that was kind of goofy. I don't have anything to say about that. <laughs> I... It- I thought Britt Baker attacking with the shoe was great. I thought that, that it was, was funny. Uh, and she, it and was she, farcical. And she executed it well and was, uh, you know, emoted well in the moment. But 
why did Britt Baker doesn't have any issue with Cody, <laughs> right? Her she's like fake nice to Tony. She uh, makes fun of the local fans, but then this guy gets thrown over the barricade into her section, and she's like, "Oh well, me and Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian, we're all going to beat up Cody now." Like it's just very sort of lazy heel characterization. Like all the heels hate all the faces. Just very simplistic heel and babyface uh, delineation, in my opinion. I guess my defense would be that the way they kind of set this up with the people on the side was that the heels rooted for the heels and the babyfaces rooted for the babyfaces, just to give like some crowd things to it. So I, I guess it makes sense, like in that universe, for them to be like, well, we're rooting against the babyfaces. Here's the team we're rooting against. I'm going to do something to help. But that's that's the only justification well, I have. For so it. yeah. You know, but again, they're making do with the weird circumstances, everything. But it's like, you know, we saw that Saki versus Mayu lumberjack match where you had stars and Oedo Tai at ringside. And, you know, one of them would get thrown out and Oedo Tai would jump on Mayu and attack her. It's like if Queen's Quest was at ringside and Omayu got thrown out of the ring, uh, you know, Momo would not start laying the boots to Mayu for no reason. Right. There's not a relationship there. It's just like kind of lazy in that regard. Anyway. Like I said, very minor complaint. All right, Mike, what you got? All right. I actually have been trying to think of one because by and large, this was a show that really zoomed by. Like I felt like last week's show was getting kind of like a slog, but this one, like the first hour was super quick. And then we had genuinely entertaining stuff in the second half, the second half of the show to keep my interest. I guess like my big thing that I would delete is, I understand that they are good friends and they have like a lot of history together and that they've been doing uh, other shows together. And they've been doing this now basically as a contingency because you obviously can't fly out of New York or Chicago. And I don't know about Oklahoma. Oklahoma doesn't seem to have that ability, but you wouldn't want JR flying either. But I don't know why uh, Cody is still a Clark commentator when you have Colt Cabana there. And I feel like that that was really made... Uh, obvious when you had basically first hour was cody cody was fun on dark i feel like that cody on dark is kind of it works because the kind of show that dark is it's more of a laid-back show it's more of we're here to have a good time kind of show this one though he's very laconic and it wasn't as bad last week but this week it was pretty clear like how just uh dry he is and i don't think that is something you want to have on a television show that is already mostly pre-taped already without a crowd and i feel like that that kind of makes it harder for people to keep interest we have colt cabana who had a lot of fun in that last hour i feel like that colt and tony Schiavone had great chemistry that they were uh tony and colt were able to kind of crack jokes back and forth and it was still kind of a uh, it, it still was a serious thing and they had pretty high energy so if i'm deleting anything let's just keep colt on commentary and i guess like when he has a match then I don't want to say Tony goes alone, but find someone better than uh, a Cody, to be honest. Big disagree. Like Co- like Cody on commentary. I think he's good. I think he's charming. Um, if I had to guess why they did it, like I just probably just wanted some star power out front at the top of the show. Like, hey, you know, here's a guy we believe to be a big draw on the Easter promotion. He's going to be here. Watch the show. That would be my guess. But, you know, and I... Uh, I kind of cult I like a lot as well, and I thought Colt had a different uh, energy. He was more high energy on this show than I think he's been on the Ring of Honor shows I've watched with him. 
maybe that's just because he knows the Ring of Honor audience is, you know, people with Ring of Honor on for four hours streaming in the background while they do whatever else. Uh, <laughs> background music as they do something else. Yeah. So, but I thought Col- uh, Colt really brought uh, sort of a different fire in his segment. But I, I kind of like switching the commentators up too. It gives Tony uh, a little more room to run when he can mix things up with somebody else. I, I just think Colt's the person to go with. I think that if, if you're taping stuff like this, where you're already going to have a lack of noise because there's no crowd, you need to have high energy. And Cody is just kind of a, a very quiet, dry person. And I don't think that equates well to uh, taped and empty arena wrestling. I also didn't have a whole lot that I just like hated on this show. But I did hate Sean Spears pinning Darby at the end of this show. I hated it a lot. I get what's going on here, right? Like, I understand the purpose. I expect, which I'll say more about what I think is going to happen in the TNT tournament, but I think something about this might uh, jump up soon. That said, and I understand that part of me being pissed off about this is that Spears pinned Darby at Fight for the Fallen. Fight for the Fallen. Fighter yep. Fest. Fight for the Fallen. And that was, it was really dumb then. It's really and it's even the, dumber now. It's the original sin of this promotion. And it's going to live yeah. with this podcast until the end of time. That Sean Spears beat Darby yeah. in that match. But at least Spears was like a push commodity at that point in the promotion. He's like nothing now. He's basically just a dark talent. I don't think he would have been on this show if the pandemic hadn't happened. I don't think he would have been on this dynamite. He wouldn't be in this tournament, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So... I just hate it. I hate it a lot. He sucks. I don't agree with these people who think Darby can just get beaten over and over and it never affects him. I don't think that's true. I don't think this kills Darby, obviously. But it makes me, it takes me back a little bit on my opinion that that uh, Tony and whoever's uh, booking this shit like really knows how to handle Darby and they've really done a great job making him a star so far. But it's like, do they have some little thing somewhere that they're just going to fuck this up occasionally here and there and, and not let Darby be as big as he should be? That's just what it makes me concerned about. So I kind of, I mean, I'm not really going to defend the finish, but I kind of am. Um, I guess I'll just, you know, to be occasionally antagonistic. Um, so they protected Darby. He was trying to save Cody from a chair shot and got distracted by Sammy. And that's why, Sean Spears rolled them up. So, you know, he has a little bit of an out there. It was basically a distraction finish, but, you know, not so much that it annoys you. I kind of think it's better. This is assuming that at some point down the line, Darby gets a win over Sean Spears. This can now become a story, right? If it's just Darby lost to Sean Spears because Darby's the guy who loses and Sean Spears is a guy that they wanted to give a win, then it sucks. But if it's that, Sean Spears has Darby's number for whatever reason. Now it's like a trend. And now you can have Darby overcome that and break that trend in a third match. And Darby can, you know, do a promo on AEW Dark and say, Sean Spears, you've pinned me twice, even though you suck and I'm good. And then he goes and beats him on AEW Dark. That's almost worth more than just beating him in a tag match, you know? But again, this is all predicated on them doing things down the line. Who knows if they will. The real purpose for this probably was create some more heat between Darby and Cody. That's an ongoing thing between them. You give Sean Spears a little bit of credibility leading into his, what is probably a big match with Cody could be a main event on dynamite here. 
uh, for that tournament. So doesn't really bother me as a bucket thing. But, you know, I am a Darby stan, and I am not thrilled about seeing him take meaningful, meaningless losses either. Okay. I think that it's something that with what they had where Cody tried to be like, a, hey, it's okay, and he was trying to be the uh, kind of the vet saying, like, it happens like this, and Darby kind of shrugging him off and punching him. I think that that could have equally as worked as if something happened where, you know, Sean Spears gets the pin on him in the preview match, and then Darby's pissed about losing that match. Like, you did not have to have Darby lose that match to have the intended end-of-show angle. So I, I I see what you're saying, Nate, about, like, how you could be setting things up with Darby with this, but it seems like there's other ways you could have it set up as well. He also, like, has a thing with Inner Circle. Like, in his promo last week, he was talking about the Inner Circle. He had all the Inner Circle masks. This makes – I understand they're building to this tournament, but this makes more sense – if Sammy pins him, it's also like a preview of that match that they're about to have, depending if you're booking Darby to win that match. Or, I don't know if they could get him here, but any other member of, of Inner Circle, it also would have been acceptable because of that ongoing story. It just doesn't make a lot of sense here for me. So, it's a, it's fairly minor. Hopefully, in the grand scheme of things, like we're the only people who even remember that these two pinfalls have happened. But he's literally lost to Jericho and Sean Spears twice. I don't know. Doesn't make sense to me. That's my delete pick. You know what else doesn't make sense to me? Waiting 29 days to go see a doctor. Of course, right now, you don't want to go see a doctor at all if you can avoid it. Uh, So if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. You don't want to have to brave the, uh, the pandemic to make it out to a doctor. And that's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. We're all staying at home right now. So if you're having issues, then there's no reason not to uh, jump on Roman to uh, for a convenient way to get the treatment that you need on your schedule. All you have to do, you grab your phone, your computer, you complete a free, free online visit, and you hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. Even in these times, within 24 hours, you'll hear back from somebody Uh, once you do the free online visit. So if the doctor decides that the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or you want to adjust your treatment plan. Another good thing about Roman, no commitments. You can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to getroman.com slash V-O-W, like in Voices of Wrestling, uh, for a free online visit, free two-day shipping, that's GetRoman.com slash V-O-W for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. I've got it. I've got, I've got our FTR reference for these Roman ads, of course, okay. we discussed. FTR, phone the Roman. Oh, right. that's good. There you go. There you go. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Because phone starts okay. with an F. Right. I'll have to work that in next time for sure. Somebody remind me. That's good. Ratings. Not good. (laughs) No, they're bad. AW down to 685,000 from 819,000, down to a 0.25 in the demo from a 0.34, and that was good for 37th. NXT was also down from 669 to 590. 
74th in the demo with a 0.15 down from a 0.20. It just looks like people are not interested in trying out wrestling just because it's the only thing on. And actually, people are fleeing from wrestling, even the people who were watching it before. Yeah, it's to me, it just like when this came out, talking to folks about it, I, I think there's a couple things at play. And of course, we're still this is the third week of this. So I mean, there's nothing really to call a trend or anything like this. But seems like people want to watch stuff that's either news or puts the pandemic out of mind. So if that is either because I know like the uh, real world world rules challenge was back and that ended up having huge ratings or mass singer had huge ratings on Fox as well. Those aren't like front and center about like having a show that should normally be in front of a crowd and now don't have a crowd. So, I mean, I feel like that that's that. And I think that also people are just trying to find an escape. So I could very well see that people are don't want to be reminded by this or either watching news or they're going through like their streaming queues right now. And because they don't want to see this or, the, or they saw what the first two weeks were and decided, okay, if this ever gets back to normal, I'm going to go watch it then. I just can't stand this now. And I could see that being the issue going forward. Yeah, I think if you subscribe to this theory that the ratings for wrestling often reflect the quality of the week prior then this makes sense because last week's episode was mostly bad. You didn't have the wrestlers at ringside making any noise. It was in a weird sort of, you know, dimly lit void where there was teleporting wizards and stuff. So that computes to me. You know, last week's rating pretty much uh, stood up and that might have been a reaction to the week before where they had a very good no people show. So, you know, they again had a pretty good show this week. You just have to hope that, uh, you know, bringing the quality delivers. And I guess just having those people making noise there really gives a different vibe. The production is really important, even though it's probably not the ideal thing to be doing in terms of social distancing or anything. Yeah, I think AEW, they have, I mean, we've said they shouldn't run shows. If they're going to run shows, they have to keep running shows. They can't just be like, well, people are stopping watching because they do need to maintain that baseline for when things are normal again. So it doesn't make sense to me, even if this drops even lower, which it very well could, you kind of just have to plow through. They're at least giving it, which we'll talk about this more, but they're at least giving it some structure with this championship tournament. I think that's going to help, but they can't just go to zero viewers and then try to re I mean, they can, but you don't want to try to rebuild an audience from nothing. So I get what they're doing. And the people who watch this week, I think, will keep tuning back in because it was a good presentation, and you just got to hope you can draw some of those other people back. It's it's possible WWE's going to have to stop running completely. Right, yeah. There was news that Florida completely shut down. So so NXT might not exist, you know, over the next several weeks. So, I mean, that would help AEW, obviously. Uh, but this is just, you know, this is not going to be over until, like, June, so you just got to do what you can. Yeah, and like the big thing that hurts AEW versus WWE, WWE has the massive library that if they need just to fulfill obligations, they just throw, just send them like how we saw that they got that deal with ESPN over the last few weeks or and Fox Sports. But AEW, you could probably take some of the pay-per-views and make them into shows if you really want to, but you're going to have to like slice and dice and be very mindful, especially because of Turner's past rep and things that Tony Khan said before about content on shows. So you can't have Cody versus Dustin from double or nothing on network TV. So they're kind of pot committed at this point. So 
you know, you just have to kind of keep on putting your best foot forward. And as you said, maybe the TNT Championship Tournament provides some structure and some incentive to get people to watch. All right, let's get into the show from last night. It opened with Tony Schiavone and Cody kind of standing there talking about the show coming up. Cody's in his gear to let us know that he's going to be wrestling on the show, which is a smart move. Of course, it kind of gives away the uh, the ghost. That's not really a, the right idiom, but it kind of gives it away that they are there, but the show is not live. <laughs> There's a reason why they're standing where they are. But anyway, we started off with the first match. Kenny Omega defeated Trent with the one-winged angel. There was one minute left in the match when the finish came. Yeah, this was a banger. And they they kind of did, like, one of my favorite matches in, like, the past decade was the uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Minoru Suzuki King of Pro Wrestling match where they had no near falls. They just had to finish. Like, that was, like, one of the first big, like, Ustream shows. And I like the fact that, like, even though, like, Trent and them, like, were doing, like, near falls towards the end, but it wasn't, like, stalling for it. It felt like they had, they went full force to a conclusion they weren't stretching it out unlike some of the other matches that went really deep on tv for them and draws as well i don't know yeah there was stuff about this match that that was good but it had zero stakes it was completely meaningless they didn't even put the triple a championship on the line like they did the week before which might have helped there was just no story whatsoever i had no reason to be invested in this why would i care about it it's a good match Okay, but you need more than that. You need more than that on a television show that I have to tune in for two hours every week, and especially for your opener. Now, it's one thing if it's when it was, of course, that was, this was in a tournament, but when it was Young Bucks Private Party and it's some crazy shit that you don't normally see, that's one thing. But this was a normal wrestling match, except with no stakes. Uh, it's just, I wouldn't start my show this way. I will say, uh, you know, if, if you're in like a you know, stupid work rate promotion like the WWE and all you have is kickouts and big moves, then maybe just having a really good match is okay. But AEW, of course, is the storytelling and characters promotion. So, you know, maybe you do need something a little more meatier to to get the audience invested. <laughs> um, <clears throat> sure, sure, yeah. Great, great work, Aaron. All right. All right, next up, guys, there was a video recap of the Chris Jericho, Matt Hardy face-off from last week. What did you guys think about this? It was a solid recap. <laughs> I cannot with the smile he's making on the webcam right now. Yeah. It's too much. Then there was a Hikaru Shida video, uh, you know, because everybody's probably forgotten who Hikaru Shida is at this point. Big shouts, by the way, to Dasha Gonzalez for the very – at least to me, uh, correct-sounding pronunciation of Hikaru Shida's name. It's not how you've been saying it. No, I'm I'm not saying that I'm right. Okay. She gave it more of a Hikaru. I have no comment. I'm not a native Japanese speaker. I'm not either, but it sounded like she was trying. That's good. I like trying. I thought Dasha was a good uh, ring announcer. And I thought that the video they had for her Karashita beforehand was really solid too. Like they, the video, like the uh, promo packages on the show, I felt like were a lot stronger than in past weeks. Other than like the great, how funny the Brody Lee stuff has been. This was like every single one was solid. So I felt like that's worth noting. That could have been like my second elite of the week if I wanted to really go that far. And then Hikaru Shida defeated the debuting Anna Jay, who we've already talked about. Sheeta hit her with 
the Falcon Arrow. And then after this match, there was a little dust up between Hikaru Shida and Britt Baker, who was standing rings. Very funny for the Falcon Arrow to get a win on a show where Excalibur is not commentating. <laughs> I, I I was wondering if Tony was going to do a shout out by saying the phrase after hitting the Falcon Arrow, but we I think you did that. shout him out, right? I think he made a reference to Excalibur. Maybe not. He might have, but he didn't say he that Hikaru Shido did the deal and no one kicks out of the far, Falcon Arrow. The important line though. But yeah, no, this match was fun as we said earlier. Yeah, and I thought the Brit eating a chicken sandwich and immediately trying to take off her shoe to get into a fight uh, with Hikaru Shida post match was pretty funny too. Next up, there was a video building the John Moxley Jake Hager match. This was a pretty long video, and a lot of people said a lot of things, so I'm not going to recap it uh, beat by beat. But basically, the idea from Mox was that being the AEW World Champion means he has the biggest uh, bullseye on his back of anybody in pro wrestling, and so he's pissed that everybody's coming after him, and he does this all for the fans. And then Jericho and uh, and Hager were like, hey, this isn't about fans. It's about violence. It's about winning. Jericho threw in a little stuff about how Inner Circle is all in this together. You know, they're not sniping at each other like the elite. Uh, Mox said he knows Jake Hager. He's listened to the Jerky Boys for hours on end with Jake Hager. Great line. Great line. <laughs> and basically, they just they use this to build up the fact that Hager is undefeated in MMA, as they've repeated a million times smartly, and that he you know, they wanted to build him as a monster. And Mox saying he's not really scared of him, but he's like accepting the challenge that is Jake Hager. I thought they did that in a smart way. And they also use this, like I said, to build that inner circle elite feud. So a lot going on in this video, but I thought all pretty successful. Really good video, especially like Chris Jericho in this because he just like spells it out in the simplest possible wrestling terms. Like Moxley does his interview where he's like, oh, I do it for the fans. And then you cut to Chris Jericho and he's like, well, John Moxley says he does it for the fans. Well, we do the exact opposite. We say, fuck the fans. We just do it for us. Subtlety is for cowards. He just lays it out there. He's like, uh, that's a good guy. And we're the bad guy. Fuck you. And I just appreciate it. Yeah. That. And I thought that like Mox's kind of thing that he's done pretty much since winning the title, even in the ring in Chicago, where he's kind of made himself into Nick Gage light, like not to the level of Nick Gage, like saying like very much like I do it for the fans, you know, I do it for the my gang. But he he does have a very kind of nice promo. And I think it's a good promo to do after having that long of a Jericho title reign to have a guy that's like, no, I'm in this for the fans and doing like this. And then Jericho also saying like, hey, unlike the elite, we're in a great place because you know what happens if uh, if Hager wins his match? We have two world champions because we don't attack each other and we and the inner circle is a family. So I felt like that this was kind of accomplished. Like Even more so, I felt like that Hager was the weak point in the promo side of this, but you know, Moxley was solid, and then and then having Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho were strong enough that you probably could have got away without even having Hager say a single line on this and just had Moxley versus hey, uh, uh, Guevara and Jericho. But I thought this was a great segment. Next up was the aforementioned Lance Archer defeating Marco Stunt. This is where Colt started being on commentary. And then before the match, we had uh, the Jake the Snake Roberts video. He said Lance is about to come out and destroy but he says, Cody played games with us, and there's some people you don't want to make mad. You're just delaying the inevitable. Suggests that that's because Cody's afraid. And then he, I think, tries to clean up the uh, the Monica thing from last week. And he says, or maybe your better half is telling you not to go. I'm pretty sure she wears the pants. And Archer wins with uh, a move he calls the blackout. Is this his normal finish? Yes, this and he does the claw, the 
Von Eric Claw, but this is this right. is yeah. good, and the Von Eric Claw is goofy. So love to see, you know, he stacked like four giant moves on the kid here, and then did that one big one to finish it off. It was great. Yeah, it was great. Uh, the the blackout being the DFW historian has always been his big finishing move, the BT bomb. Even back for when he had a bunch of really bad tattoos, no muscles, and was just a random goth guy with Tim Storm. He but, still has a bunch of really bad tattoos. Well, he's covered up a couple of the really bad ones. But yeah, no, this was awesome. His moves look great. And as we said earlier, Marco bumped his ass off. This was a great match. It accomplished what they were set out to do. Is it the BT bomb? BT bomb, the Black Tiger oh, okay. bomb, yeah. I was gonna, he should do a Death Stranding gimmick and make that his new, incorporate that in there. <laughs> well, I mean, if T-Hawk ever comes back, he's going to have an issue because one of T-Hawk's big moves is the BT bomb. So good, 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 for, uh, good for Lance Archer, you know, just playing Dom and saying, you can't do this move now because I'm here. So, yeah. Love to ask questions like that and just out myself as a total dummy who just doesn't know shit about shit. Well, it's better than me who just, like, dedicates hours of my life to knowing useless knowledge. So I'd rather be a dummy. <laughs> well, if we ever talk about, like, the Spice Girls on this show, I'll show off all the info I have. All the Any new takes? I, I mean, don't tease us with Spice Girls uh, knowledge and then not deliver. No, any, no news, no developments in the Spice world? I mean, they uh, just dropped on vinyl their second album and the Spice Girls' greatest hits album. So you can pick those up, new pressings. Jerry Halwell was on Fight to Survive this last season. Drive to Survive, yes. Drive. I always call it Fight to Survive, I know. which is also okay. something that is also something that uh, Lance <laughs> Archer participated in back in the DFW Indies. <laughs> But yeah, no, Jerry Halwell was on Drive to Survive this year because she is married to the principal of Red Bull Racing. Yeah, so I like, they're doing this little like, you know, focus on uh, Red Bull. And I hear this voice and I'm like, that is fucking Ginger Spice. I know it is. In, well, in fact, I had gone back before season two of this came out. This is a show about F1. I went back and rewatched season one and... That was the first, and I'd watched the show before. That was the first time I realized she was married to Christian Horner. So then in this second season, they do like a whole thing where they're showing her, she's like getting ready to go to a concert and they like take a helicopter together and he's, she's working on her moves and he's like practicing the moves with her. It's very cute. And it's like, um, okay, if you want to cancel me, turn this off. Still such a babe, the, the, the ginger spice. Oh, you just, you love to canceled. see it. Can't be, that's foul sort of language on here come on i know i know anyway big uh spice girls fan i uh, did, did any either of you play the uh, spice girls video game no though no. i do remember a girl in high school who had it also had the mary Kay and ashley olsen game you guys are supposed to be gamers i'm sure i was too busy playing starcraft at the time yeah that would have been right in my climb to become a Halo esports star. So my priorities were elsewhere. Uh, this was released in June of 1998. Uh, I think that's when Metal Gear Solid came out. You're just, you're making things up. Do I need to, no, 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 me, no, me describing Patreon, uh, describing Metal Gear Solid to you as Patreon content. We're not doing that. We're not doing that Kojima now. Cast. This is a great game. Spice World. Name of the what game. Kind of, what kind of gameplay are we talking here? You don't. Uh, Looks like you're looking it up. <laughs> I am. I am. I was trying to remember back to it. It's basically like a 
it's like a dancing game. Oh, I mean, I'm a big rhythm game fan here. It's basically, I think it's like a proto-rhythm game. Well, rhythm games existed. They've, uh, you know, not so much in the No, West, this was but, the first okay. one, actually. You might be right. Yeah. Anyway, Spice Girls, big fan. I've never really, I should, I mean, I should go to therapy for a lot of reasons, but I've always wanted to figure out like what it was in my brain about the Spice Girls that really just hit. And uh, it has to go with like now Nate getting me into Blackpink. I think there's something there that goes together, right? Oh, absolutely. Other than like babe singing songs, obviously, but there's gotta be something else. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I could probably wax poetic on this, but again, that's Patreon content. But yeah, and there's a certain uh, uh, fucking cathartic element of just big giant pop where it's just like mm. earnest yeah. and there's no irony and there's no uh yes everything is what it is it's just like big good feelings putting them out there and yeah big good feelings music big good feelings music I'm into earnestness. I mean, I think you guys know this about me. Yeah, we're entirely sincere on the show. Like, I love, tra- I love tracksuits. You love uh, the Nate loved having the uh, the bit. You love the Spice Girls, you know, and you love F1 content. I mean, we 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 uh, we don't do bits here, other than my bits about half my Twitter account. <laughs> we don't do bits except the bit we just talked about that Nate does or did. That's fair. That's, That's fair. the only bit we do. So, <laughs> speaking of the Spice Girls, after this match, Lance Archer chokeslammed Marco from the apron over the barricade into Billy and Austin Gunn. And Orange Cassidy. And then and then they did a bit where it was like Archer was trying to intimidate Colt, even though Colt clearly was not actually in the, the same room. <laughs> yeah, no, that definitely was like, hey, yeah, I see you. I see you. Yeah, we know you. I, I respected it. Did, okay... To me, this chokeslam didn't look as vicious as I wanted it to, like falling into those guys. I don't know. I wanted Marco to get hurt worse is what right. I'm saying. Right, you wanted to just put him, put him right <laughs> under the turf or right under the guardrail? Yeah. 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 Okay, that's, yeah, they definitely could have done that. There was no reason they had to get caught, right? There's no yeah. benefit to getting caught when you're being thrown out of the ring, right? No, no. I mean, other than you're colliding into people versus like concrete. Yeah, it's minimal difference. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, no, like Marco I'm should very have gone f- on this show. No, we are entirely earnest. Marco should have gone flying out of the ring, off the pounce, show some respect to Monty Brown, and then he should have fl- landed right on the turf. Like those are the two things. That Remember Ace Romero in this promotion? Oh, AC baby, I forgot about Ace Romero. The pounce, okay, the pounce spot was bad. That's my only criticism of the it match. It was fine. It was no, fine. No, it was bad. Marco, Marco should have bumped over the top rope. Marco should have gone flying. The pounce is one of the coolest moves when done well because you have a guy colliding to the other one, breaking physics for a second as the guy like John Woo flies backwards and should be flying outside of the ring. Marco, you should have. You, you should watch your Monty Brown tapes. Pretty sure Monty Brown never never pounced anybody out of the ring. Keith Lee's been doing it on NXT, so I don't know if you want to bite that. Well, I was going to say you could watch Keith Lee Ricochet from Mania Weekend in Orlando. Ricochet took a nasty bump off the pounce. It ruled. Um, yeah, it's just Marco clearly, like, his timing was off. You could see him kind of, like, step to the side right before it and, like, uh, uh, you know. So he probably had planned to take a better bump off of it, but it just didn't work out. Marco was also good in this. Didn't talk about this really. He had a couple of hope spots yeah. that were, like, he did yeah. a big fucking flip escape out of the choke slam at first, which 
looked great and was like, oh, that's like a logical escape here. We're not, you know, all the fucking people who get mad about Marco or Orange Cassidy or whatever. Like nothing in here that broke the realism of wrestling or exposed the business. No, Marco had some great hope spots in this. Like his his insecurities he had in the corner were solid. Like this was like I just wanted him to fly out of the ring during the pounce. I don't think like that's too big of a demand. I want to see people go flying when the pounce happens. We had a Dark Order vignette next. We're in a conference room at a dad's BDSM conference. Uh, we got Brody standing at the front. We got some creepers and masks. Brody says, in these anxious times, we know how you feel. I once was beaten down. I once was downtrodden. But I stand before you as the exalted one. He asked, I think it was uh, Reynolds, Alex Reynolds, to stand up. And they argue about calling him Mr. Lee versus calling him Mr. Brody. Uh Brody tells him to say, he's like, you know, say what I told you to say. And Reynolds does the we are one and Brody gets mad about how he says it and throws a glass against the wall. Then one of the other creepers yawns. Brody asks him why he's tired. Nothing is open right now. There's no reason to be tired, which I thought was a good line. And, you know, they do a thing. Don't ever yawn in my presence again. So more of the uh, VKM comedy. My only concern about this is that they're going to run out of obvious VKM references and we're going to have to go into the deep cuts, like calling a steak wrap and not understanding that it's also it could be a burrito as well. Not thinking you invented a food stuff or loving the old movie Wild Hogs and ACDC. Like we're going to have to get into some deep Vince McMahon cuts soon because we've gone through like all the hits already. Yeah, this was great. Great. Love it. Great character. Great vignette. Okay, here's why I don't like it. You were doing so well. Well, I know, but I'm just going to I'm going to kill that right now. I like what Brody's doing. I think Brody is doing a good job with the character. This is like as interesting as Brody's been as a person, as a character in forever. But this is a pro wrestling company. We have to tell pro wrestling stories, and he hasn't done anything that's made me want him want to see him in a match against someone else. Not one thing. There's not a story that's building between him and someone. There's not a match on the horizon. There's nothing like that. Introductory vignettes to establish who the character is. Very common trope in wrestling, especially before somebody debuts or when they've recently debuted. We don't even know that he's a wrestler at this point. I mean, you want to go on to the next segment then when he does something in the wrestling ring? I he said, also did just wrestle on last week's television. I'm just saying there's like, there's just nothing here to grab onto. Except the high entertainment value. I, but like I said about the very first match, it's fine to be entertained, but you got to build to something. And they're just establishing the character. Well, they're doing a poor job in my opinion. Doing a tremendous job. Great segment. The, the, the more complaints I hear, the higher I get on it. Oh, I've got more complaints. Don't you worry. The natural... Oh, here's a fucking complaint out of me. The Natural Nightmares defeated Dark Order 8 and 9. Dustin Rhodes got the pin. Yes, of course, after the match, the Natural Nightmares lingered. And uh, some music hits. Brody Lee comes out and power bombs the creeper who got pinned, stares down the other, and then exits. Tremendous cold stare from Brody here. Just really had tremendous presence. Stuck the guy. Killed the guy, just stared a hole into the other guy. Really established this guy as a great, awesome wrestler in the ring who you can't wait to see up against some real talent. 
it, it it's one of those things that the whole eight and nine thing was the thing that I thought was kind of cheesy. It was cheesy, but it was funny. It was very like I said, they were the 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 putties from Power Rangers. This was like maximum putty status. Here's my complaint. Dustin Rhodes is already in a tag team. It's called Kiss and Makeup, and it's with Sonny Kiss. He abandoned Sonny Kiss. He's got a fucking t-shirt with QT Marshall. I hate it. Uh, I hope it dies. I hate it so much. I like seeing QT. I don't know where Sonny Kiss is, though. Obviously, they've... Sonny Kiss was at ringside for one of the Daily Place shows. Bring him back, but... Fuck Dustin Rhodes. We're going to give Sonny Kiss a better tag team partner who's not 100 years old, who's won a match in the last 50 years, and he's going to rise to the top of the tag team division. All right. I like their finishing move. I think their finishing move is fun. God damn it. (laughs) Stop abandoning me, Mike. You know Nate is going to. Why would you do it? I like moves. It is true to my character to like moves. You when have like you never... Sunny Kiss? Why are you I like Sunny Kiss Sunny too, kiss? but there was no kiss and makeup finishing move for attacking that's happened once. They had a video. Dustin has like six tag teams. He's got one with Cody. Yeah. He's tagged with Hangman Page multiple times. Several times, yeah. It's just, this is, that's part of his, he's, uh, uh, he, he's spread. <laughs> he, he's in a polycule with half the, uh, the, the men's roster and tag teams. Did, it, did I say that right? I probably didn't. Anyways. <laughs> it, it struck me as fine. Okay, Chris Jericho has a vignette. We talked about this. He's in a hot tub. They, he asked, why am I not there? Well, it's a holiday. It's April Fool's Day. And I've never met a bigger bunch of fools than the elite. Great Chris Jericho humor. He's talking about all the members of the elite running them down. We see Vanguard 1 kind of poking around in the background. Uh, Jericho gets out of the tub, has on pants and a belt, as Mike mentioned earlier. <laughs> Tries to apologize to Vanguard, but he does a bit where he, he can't say the word sorry. Uh, but then just moves on as if he did, which like the sorry thing was kind of not funny. But when he tried to pretend like he had said sorry, that was funny. It was funny because it was a previously established part of his character. He did it in that promo. So yes, just weird. the callback alone was like, oh, that's a admirable consistency for a pro wrestling promotion. It also was peak uh, Danny McBride not being able to say sorry. No Danny McBride character has the ability to say sorry ever. I really want this to happen, guys. I'm just trying to get my energy out there in the universe. I'm see a, if I can make this happen. I'm rooting for it. Jericho tries to apologize. Oh, I just said that. Fuck. He says, I still want you in the inner circle, though. Gives him a tiny T-shirt. Hangs it on Vanguard. Very funny. Uh, Vanguard flies away. Jericho unleashes his dogs to catch Vanguard, but uh, they really they can't do much about Vanguard flying away. Great bet. Best three minutes on the TV show in a long time. Just loved it. Then we got a Nick Jackson video update. He's walking with Matt, and we see that Matt has set up a wrestling ring on a tennis court. A little confessional with Matt talking about that his greatest fear is seeing someone he loves injured. And then we get some footage of them working out, very reminiscent of the, all the road twos when we were leading up to this promotion. Uh, but Nick says he's not sure when he's going to be ready. And at the end, Matt asks if he's ready to get back in there after going through this workout. And Nick says, not yet. This was really good. This was like where I was like, oh, this is a blessed episode because everything they put out here is going to hit. This is like a high degree of difficulty segment and that you have Nick Jackson, who's like not the most emotive guy even in his tag team here he's like you know not 
uh, you know, a, a promo standout or anything, but he's just like coming across as pretty genuine here talking about how, hey, when you're injured and wrestling's taken away from you and all this stuff is jeopardized, uh, it makes you appreciate it more and it makes them miss it more. And he even analogized that to all the fucking virus shit in a competent and not pandering or uh, manipulative way, I thought. So it was like, wow, if you can even get that from Nick Jackson here and get like a heartfelt little segment, then fucking you're hitting on all cylinders. The funny thing to me here was when, I mean, I pretty much agree that all this was really good, but you had this funny moment where Matt is like, man, you kind of just think about how one little thing can happen. You take life for granted, blah, blah, blah. He says, you know, if things had just been a little different, I could have been a singles wrestler. And it's like, it's not, I, I could get injured easily. My brother could have died. It's just like, <laughs> I might've had to wrestle on my own. <laughs> yeah. I also don't know that anyone buys that he would be a singles wrestler. If yeah. Nick like retired, but nah, doubt it. <laughs> just, I think that's like very sincere Matt Jackson there. Like, I think that's, I don't think that was a, a bit or a, a pre-written line. That's just how he thinks about things. Then we got the main event, Sammy Guevara and Sean Spears defeating Cody and Darby Allen. As we said, Spears rolled up Darby after Spears tried to hit Cody with a chair. Darby stopped him, grabbed the chair. Sammy grabs a hold of the chair from Darby, which kind of makes Darby turn his back, and Spears grabs him, rolls him up. After the match, Cody tries to apologize to Darby for what happened, but Darby knocks him the fuck out. Good for Darby. Yeah. Yeah, shout out to Oakgan. This was obviously not a heel turn for Darby. If you think it no. was a heel turn, uh, you're wrong. No, no, no. Darby's just a feisty young baby face who doesn't, does not need friends. He hates creeps and he hates liars. And, you know, been dealing too much of Cody's bullshit for too long, remember? I mean, I'll tag with you if I get a rematch. And then he has to tag with this guy again, like completely justified. Darby is justified. All right, we got a few more things to talk. Actually, several more things to talk about. We're going to book out this TNT Championship Tournament. Before that, patreon.com slash everythingelite. Make sure you're checking it out. This week we had an episode of The Errands where I swear to God we talked about 2005 TNA. So if that interests you at all, go check that out. Was Money Brown in 2005 TNA? I don't know, dude. I didn't watch 2005 TNA. Aaron watched it and we talked about it. Okay, that's fair. Wednesday, we had Light, which just talks about all three of us are on that show. Of course, you get Nate's vlogs re- vlog recaps. We previewed Dynamite. We talk about Dark, uh, one of the best episodes of Dark ever this week. So that was a lot of fun. And we also dropped a Cinderella tournament review on the Patreon on Wednesday. Full crew for that one. Uh, Thursday, the This Is Cody episode was made available for free for everyone. All you got to do is go on our Patreon. You can listen to it for free. So if you if you've never... Checked out our Patreon. Listen to that episode. If you like it, then uh, give us a try. We got three tiers. At the $3 tier, you get light every week and then one bonus show a month. The $5 tier, you get every show that we put out. And at the $8 tier, you get those plus some extras. So uh, that's really for our our number one fans that want to do the $8 tier. Uh, we appreciate everyone who subscribes. It's a good time to subscribe because you get the full month. A value before you're charged again on May 1. So that's patreon.com slash everything elite. I mean, I guess I'll just, I'll stop saying this after this week. We don't know anything about Dark, so I can't tell you anything about it. Uh, when they start giving us the matches in advance again, we will go back to previewing Dark on this show. 
Next week on Dynamite from an undisclosed location, we're going to get the quarterfinals of the TNT tournament. We'll have Cody versus Sean Spears. And then the week after that, they've lined up a title challenge for John Moxley taking on Jake Hager, an empty arena match. And from our understanding, this has already been filmed. So we'll see what that is. And then we'll get another TNT quarterfinals match with Lance Archer versus Colt Cabana. I can't tell necessarily if they're doing what I've called the Jack Whitehall region and then the Chris Harrington region of these tournaments on different weekends. According, They've been kind of unclear on that. According to the Wikipedia, it seems like that we might be having two tournament matches on the 8th and then two on the 15th. I just can't find official record of it. So just getting that out there. Apparently, Georgia now is sheltering in place, so don't even know what they're going to be able to do as far as if they've been taping shows in Georgia, if that's the undisclosed location. We don't really know what they're going to be able to do. Yeah, fantastic video today where the Georgia governor was like, oh, we had no idea that asymptomatic people could uh, (laughs) transmit the virus. So that's our bad. Uh, I guess we should maybe pay attention. That was a great moment in American history. Yeah, of course, Georgia had the primary. When this was still breaking, they did not. They refused to stop the primary. So, I mean, the situation there seems to be rough. I don't know necessarily, one, how much they've taped. Like, the rumor is is that they taped a lot Tuesday and Wednesday, and they had stuff they taped from Jacksonville. And then also the idea of shelter in place is different things to different places. So although they should be sheltering in places, they might still try to work things out somehow. But it's going to be tough to have a live episode of Dynamite next week. Well, it's an essential business, so. Dude, South Carolina is shelter in place right now, except for what they call essential businesses. Liquor stores, essential businesses. Uh, all the manufacturing plants in town, including the ones that have had, like, bad COVID outbreaks. Essential businesses. Because my governor might be even more dumb than this guy. Anyways. Okay, just. Liquor stores are essential businesses because people detoxing. Can That's fair. Die. That is fair. That is fair. Um, that's that's me passing along, uh, you know, various finger waving from uh, from Twitter that I've inherited, As, I suppose. Uh, someone who has handled multiple alcohol detox cases in jails, it's like fucking bad. <laughs> it's real bad. Oh, oh no, yeah. <laughs> so completely understand why liquor stores are that. That's my bad. I made it. I made a goof here. I apologize. I should have known better. Well, that's one for each of us on this show. Nate, hopefully, we'll get you before the show's out. I'm not going to say anything else. I will see you guys next week. Uh, And I'm assuming, Mike, this is from the Observer. Indications are that Revolution was the number two uh, pay-per-view buy. Pay-per-view behind Double or Nothing. Yeah, so we don't have the exact number out at this point, but they've got more of the the widespread of what they believe the numbers will be for for Revolution. Early indications are that this one would be number two. Of course, Double or Nothing did about... 116, I'm just going to quote from the Observer here. While all cable numbers aren't in, based on what they know, it looks like Revolution will be the number two pay-per-view behind the first Double or Nothing when it comes to both buys and revenue. It beat Double or Nothing on Fight TV and was overall best to date, but that was expected going in since that was the only way to see it on UK with the loss of the television cable. Remember, ITV's box office closed down. and They said that the gains on Fight TV did not offset the losses, which is about 15,000 range is what they were going to expect. Though through the loss of ITV box office, however, BR Live set a streaming 
weird Dave sense here. However, Beer Live for streaming set its own record, and the belief is it'll either be the highest in the United States or close second to Double or Nothing overall because cable numbers are not expected to be as high as Double or Nothing. So the range that we're talking about here is 100,000 to 105, which is a good sign. So that's the closest thing we have to any sort of number from this. And considering the whole situation with ITV, that seems to be very promising. But now all that's kind of out of the window now. So, but that was a note I felt like we needed to talk about. All right, let's book out this TNT championship tournament. First match, Cody versus Sean Spears. Who you guys got? Cody. I think it has to be Cody. This whole tournament seems very obvious to me. I got Spears in this match. Okay. All right. Why Why you have Spears over Cody? Why are you being the individual here? I think it's dumb as fuck if Cody wins this tournament. It's not going to win the think tournament. Of a dumber... He's going to lose the tournament to the guy he's feuding with and in the finals. I'm just saying I don't think there's any reason for Cody to get anywhere near the, the finals even of this tournament. So you want him out against Tengai, yeah. who, de- who hasn't mattered at all since. No, this is why they gave Tengai the win on this week's show, so they could give him a little bit of legitimacy, and then Cody could beat him. No, they gave him this win so that Darby can beat him in the next round. Okay. All right. I, I, I see your logic there. I don't agree, but I see your logic. Uh, and mostly I like it because uh, a lot of dumb people have just decided Cody's going to win this, and I just think it would be really funny if he loses in the first round. So pettiness will often drive my opinions. Here's one of those times. All right, well, Darby, save me who you guys got. Darby. Darby, come on. Okay, but then Darby can't lose to Cody? Sure he can. No, 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 I think Darby's going to beat Cody. Oh! And then, I think Cody beats Darby. I think Darby's winning. Okay, so we just figured out the Whitehall region here. I guess this is how we're doing this here. So, Well, to me, like, I, I would not have Cody beat Darby. So I, you'd have I Sammy beat Darby. No, I'd have Darby beat Sean Spears. I just, uh, do you listen? I, no. I, okay, now what <laughs> we seems so out obvious from to me. the start I'm of the show is you don't listen when I talk. That's why no, you don't remember when no, I'm so fucking right about things. I told you earlier in the show... That the Sean Spears Cody Darby thing was gonna uh, yeah I remember filter, that filter I into do this remember that, that yeah now, at, at the time I thought the, he's fucking out of his mind you don't want to do the Cody Darby thing because that's a long term story yeah that's a, a mountain that Darby has to has to overcome down the line finally get his win over Cody but he shouldn't go from a draw to a loss I th- that's why I think Darby beats Cody I think this is the step on the way because. Darby's going to be an up and down journey. Like there's a ways like, like I don't agree with like, you can keep on beating Darby, but I believe that this is an important win that could feed him up for that. I don't think any of us have Darby winning this tournament. So you might AB. Do you have Darby winning the tournament? I'll get there when we get there. Gosh, it's a bracket. Okay. So coming out of, of the Jack Whitehall region as, as Spears has named Mike Spears has named it. uh, You have Cody. Mike? I have Darby. I also have Darby. Okay. All right. Let's move over to the Chris Harrington region. Kip Sabian versus Dustin Rhodes. Who you got? Kind of irrelevant. I do like that they put Sabian across from Cabana here. So you could work yourself into thinking that they're going to do Sabian versus Cabana in the second round because they're building a program. But I don't think it really matters. Like 
because whoever it's going to be is going to lose to Archer. I guess I'm going to say Kip is going to win because they can have Archer squash Kip and no one will care, but they've spent too much time on Dustin to have Archer squash him. I think that this is the one that, like, yeah, this is kind of a superfluous match, but I think that I think that uh, Dustin wins. I'm going to go with Dustin. 50-50, coin flip Dustin. This match is really important. How is this match important? Because the story ultimately has to do with Archer and Cody, right? Dustin has to win this to face Archer. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. That makes it more personal to Cody or whatever. Okay, you've convinced me. You can even have Jake Roberts, if he's alive, you can even have Jake Roberts interfere in that Cody Spears match to let Spears win. But Archer wants the match with Cody. He doesn't want to not see Cody in the finals. But he's a heel. But he's stated explicitly that he wants this match with Cody, and that's his whole reason for being there. Right. But he can have, it can be his first title defense. It seems like an unnecessary step. I got Dustin. You got Dustin. Okay. Okay. All right. We all have Archer, right? Yeah. yeah Archer beats Cody. All right. So then you got... Well, I mean, I guess we're all picking Archer to win this region, right? Yeah. Yeah. Archer wins the Chris Harrington region. Okay. So Archer versus Cody, Nate. You have Archer winning? Yeah. Mike, Archer, Darby. I have Archer winning. I I also have Archer Darby and Archer winning. Okay. So we're... We're in agreement. uh, Amazing. uh, So the only way that... we could all come to a consensus. So the only way that Aaron beats me is if Cody loses to Sean Spears. And the way I win is if Cody beats Sean Spears. That's right. It all comes down to that match, which will be the very first match. The very first match, we'll know which one is right, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I, I think that Darby versus Lance Archer is plays the best of both of their skill sets. I think that that also, Archer winning the title is like this, and I think that this is just a stop on the Darby journey. You know, he gets the win over Cody, and then he gets, like, his title shot. He loses the title shot, and he builds it back up again. I think that until we finally get Darby's big like big big win like that that him versus Cody is a big win for for Darby. So yeah. You guys made some good cases. Hmm. Well, here's here's my question. Can the TNT Championship be defended on pay-per-views? I mean, that's a huge question right there. Maybe that it could be defended on buy-ins. Can be defended on dark or can it only be defended on TNT? Yeah, I I think it can be defended wherever they want to do it. Okay, that's fair. And the reason I say that is, like, obviously Archer Cody is a money match. Mm-hmm. It is funny to think about, like, Kevin Riley at TNT being like, no, you cannot put that fucking belt on pay-per-view. <laughs> that is our belt. That is exclusive to the Dynamite property. I mean, it is called the TNT Championship. You would think it would be yeah, on but TNT. TNT is just a synonym of dy- Dynamite. I wonder if they're going to put the logo, the TNT logo, right there on the belt. Well, I really never thought of that, Nate. Yeah, yeah. I- <laughs> You're blowing this, my mind here. Seeing the that, TNT like dynamite thing. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I mean, it's TNT. It's dynamite. It's TNT. I forget the last line of that ACDC lyric. Yeah, I deserve that. I, I deserve that. Yeah. I, but but yeah, no. The belt is like a big question because both the men's world and the women's world titles, I think, look like strong belts. I'm not a fan of the tag team belts, so there's a little bit of doubt on me and what this design could be. They had the note on the whiteboard that said "red strap?" Question mark. Well, that makes sense for the WCW TV title, you know. 
Good to have awesome. another red belt in the promotion here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just the point. The only point I have about whether it can be defended on pay per views is that Cody Archer is a money match. You want to do that at a pay per view. So, but that doesn't really justify my choice because I was thinking the finals of this will be on television. I'm assuming. And so I was thinking, well, that's a good reason to hold off and do Archer Cody on on pay-per-view instead. But if it's a title defense, then that still doesn't make any sense. So, You know, this match is supposed to be at Double or Nothing at the MGM Grand Garden Arena on May 25th. The, the finals match is? Yeah. That's what it's listed ah, as. Point okay. in favor of me. But that match, that, that show's not <laughs> happening, though. No, it's not. Yeah. But presumably so. they can't announce that yet. Right. Okay. Well, we've... or at least let, let me say, I do not know anything special. I, it's just my assumption with how the, the pandemic is going is that that pay-per-view will not take place. Just in case people think I'm saying something that I don't know. I just don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, hard to imagine we'll be able to have crowds that big in about two months. I would I would doubt that. Okay, well, we came to a general... A, a, a vague consensus on what's going to happen in the in the Turner cha- TNT Championship tournament, which means obviously that Cole Cabana is beating Lance Archer in round one. Anything else you guys want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I got nothing. Okay, big plans. Mike? Big plans for uh, for the weekend. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to go go to the movie theater. I think. Yeah. Um, got some plans to meet my friends over at the park over here probably do some sort of wrestle around probably <laughs> play volleyball have a lot of hand fives yeah, yeah. hand fives yeah hand fives yeah i saw that's right i saw today that uh maybe go to a maybe go to a hookah bar and just pass that around for a while that's smart oh, I, I mean we're right in spring you gotta i saw that a milwaukee uh strip club is doing live streams of <laughs> of the dancers Makes sense. <laughs> Does it? That seems like a real in-person thing. Yeah. I mean, there's already, like, people doing sex work online already. I mean, I know camming camp. is a thing. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah, like, I think the, camming is pretty distinct from... Right. Yeah, no, that, that, strip that, that is That's how strip clubs are distinct from camming, is that you go in person. Right. That That, that is true. I, I'm just very wrong today, other than my <laughs> opinions on tracksuits. You're right That's where all my energy suits. is. I'm so mad that I didn't get a stardom tracksuit when they had those on their web store. You could have gotten your fucking name put on the back of it. I mean, I'm, I'm still looking at the Dragon Gate ones, and I'm debating it. I could be walking around with a stardom tracksuit that said Aaron like the car on the back. <laughs> <laughs> just what text? At sign Fujihaya. Just on the back of mine. Yeah, yeah that's right. I would have worn that to Japan. Just imagine the been, look. That would have been something. <laughs> I don't know how I, I would have felt about that. I, I like to posit something. Imagine you get this tracksuit with at Aaron like the car across your shoulders. Yes. And you go to Tokyo Disney Sea. Yes. And you all go to you go to a nice lunch <laughs> at Tokyo Disney Sea, and you sit down and sitting right across from you is Hazuki Kagetsu, now uh, now Yamaguchi, and I'm blanking Natsuka on Natsuka name. Tora. Natsuka Tora. Why did I blank on name? Natsuka Tora, because of course Natsuka Tora's look on her face when she sees you in your stardom tracksuit. I mean, not. All that different from what happened, anyway. So would not have been. You should have seen the look on her face when she saw my Momo hoodie. Oh, that is true. That is true. Damn, I thought I was positing a real interesting funny story. That's how they made him. But the tracksuit would be like another level of like, oh, you gotta, you know, 
You got a personalized one, huh? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Because they would have immediately recognized it, right? Like, it took them a second to be like, oh, that's like a Momo sweatshirt. But when I walked by them, they would have caught it out of the corner of their eye, like, what the fuck? And they're... Not here's what I think would okay. happen. So Wait. Natsuko has this look on her face, right. right? To where I thought, oh, they're really not gonna talk to us. They're gonna leave because they're like pissed off that they've encountered people who know who they are. And she had this look on her face basically until they left. But she would have actually killed <laughs> right. me if yeah. I had the the stardom tracksuit on. I would not have stepped in. I would have I would have taken four to five steps backward and pulled out my phone and been like, Well, this is something. Ab, I would have stepped in there. I would have taken the uh, the tray shot, the first tray shot for you. That's because you would have been there with your matching tracksuit. Well, I've been wearing a Dragon Gate one, so that's the difference here. Oh, oh, yeah. fair point. But I still would have taken that first okay, shot for well. you, just just to be clear. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. Maybe you. if it was like Starlight Kid, I might have stepped in between you, like okay, <laughs> but Natsuko, fuck no. She's. Hey, that's the that's the Cinderella runner-up from this year. Like, put some respect on Natsuko's name. I, right. I could not have been more respectful. Frightened of her. If you want to, if you want to hear more about that, the Cinderella tournament review, it's right up there on Patreon.com/slash Everything Elite. Check it out. At Everything AEW is our Twitter account. You can see more about Mike's tracksuits at Fujiheya. You can hear more about My Love of the Spice Girls at Aaron Like the Car. And you can see more giveaways that Nate will probably still continue to retweet at Epitasis. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, review, patreon.com slash everything elite. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.